0: The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Scripture this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 56, verses 1 through 8. Thus says the Lord, Keep justice, and do righteousness. For soon my salvation will come, and my righteousness be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath and choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone.
1: Great delight to be back here at Christ Press Music Row. Um, it's always A privilege to proclaim the word of god but especially right basically right across the street from my office so if you just walk down about 200 yards there is a divinity school and that's where i work during the week as a professor in the history of christianity so and it's every time i get invited to come here it's all the more special so uh, thanks for joining us in worship today Um, i want to offer a few kind of caveats about today's sermon Uh, first of all the text and title Um, I had nothing to do with them, meaning this, I did not choose the text, the title was given to me. So if you think about, let's say you have to give a speech or talk, and the text is given to you and the title is given to you. So more often than not, I feel like I'm writing my college application essay all over again. There was a famous one from the University of Chicago back in 2011 that went like this. One of the college essays was, what does Play-Doh, P-L-A-Y-D-O-H? have in common with Plato, P-L-A-T-O. Today's text is Isaiah 56, 1 through 8, and the title is The Everlasting Name. As you have heard today's text, though, I want to test whether you've been following a little bit or not. What words came to, uh, to your mind or captured your uh, imagination as you read or heard these uh, words? Let's name three. One would be Sabbath, the other would be foreigner, third, I bet you used this word yesterday, eunuch. <laughs> and because of the third word, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to preach this sermon. It's a tough one. So, I would not have chosen this text if I were to preach from Isaiah and pick my own text, but these exercises actually make me depend on the Lord more as I try to figure out why Scott Salls, our senior pastor, picked that text and gave that title, sort of like applicants at U of Chicago, wrecking their brains to see what Play-Doh and play have in common together. The other is that when I have to explain about eunuchs, my best take on that might or must come across to some of my younger friends as rated r so parents please uh exercise whatever caution or whatever please be aware Uh, i'll play a video not right now but in just a few minutes that'll actually make maybe help this uh, younger uh, friends to appreciate a little bit more of what we're about to talk about so if it is okay let's uh, pray together and we'll look to god lord you are the source of all goodness truth and beauty You're the beginning and the end. You're the reason why we live. You are the one who called us today, this morning, to come and worship you. Lord, what an awesome privilege it is, and yet how bored we are often in the house of God. Lord, help me to do your best as I seek to proclaim the majesty of your grace and the glory of your mercies, and help all of us as a result of listening to you, be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We love you, for you have loved us first. In your name we pray. Amen. So the writer in today's text says, Salvation is at hand, very close at hand. Righteousness of God will soon be revealed. The divine dramatic future is foretold through the human prophetic mouthpiece, calling for the listeners and readers of Isaiah's oracles to take very seriously the present implications about the future. There will be three points to today's sermon. First is, we are, by, we are all, by nature, outsiders. Second, God destroys the insider-outsider distinction. Third, God, the ultimate insider, became the true outsider for us. So we're going to talk about these words, outsider, insider, back and forth, so on and so forth. And why it might matter, who's in, who's out, why it might matter in some significant ways, but also why it does not matter at all in this new covenant. So sort of an ironic inversion of human priorities and perspectives. Now let's rush along to the first point, we are all by nature outsiders. So, as you've been coming to uh, the service here for the last few Sundays, so we know that we've been going through a series in the book of Isaiah. So, just, you know, as a teacher, I'm just uh, always pedantic in some ways, but let's just do it a quick 30-second review. Isaiah is a, a book of prophecy. That means, first and foremost, it's telling about the future of God's actions that will have clear implications for the present life of Israel, Right? And we need to remember that, because it is talking about the future that is yet to come, and it have a tremendous bearing in the way that people of God were to live out today, here and now. And secondly, Isaiah has a lot to talk about the political situations of Israel, but also he's talking about someone yet to come. He mysteriously calls him the suffering servant. And so we will kind of think about who that is, what might uh, be the implication of that. So, the first point, then, is the, we are all, by nature, outsiders. Let me ask you, who likes to be an outsider? Nobody, right? Who likes to be an insider? All right, thank you very much, right? So, I think there are, like, like, you know, weekly circulars, like, D.C. insider, you know, if you're in Washington, D.C., you want to be plugged into what is going on and be an insider rather than an outsider. That is... Natural to all of us We want to be rather than outsiders Insiders Almost all our life We have awareness However clear or dim it may be Of whether we are in or out Do you remember the first time You were like Okay, I'm out or I'm in I remember when I was about seven years old I was playing with my sister and her friends doing jump ropes. You know those like, you kind of jump. And I, I wanted to be part of their thing, part of their, you know, jump rope thing. And they wouldn't let me do it because I was a boy. She said, it's only for girls and you can't be in. And so I remember very acutely feeling like an outsider because I was a boy. Would that that were the only instance of me feeling like an outsider? But throughout my life journey, and I'm sure you can relate to it too, I felt here and there like an outsider. These memories are with us, and unless you're like a few of my friends who who have been crushing it from their mother's womb and doing it all the way through their life journey, there are a few of them, but not a lot, the question becomes, who makes the rules of who is in and who is out? Right? It seems that the Bible is also quite clear about who is in and who is out, and why Take for example, the story of Genesis and the primordial fall of Adam and Eve This individual and local account has universal and cataclysmic consequences This story indicates rather unequivocally that our fall had much to do with our exercise of free will That led us away not to God We chose to be outsiders to the covenant of life and covenant of work but we did so firmly and fully believing that we actually will become insiders by taking the forbidden fruit and listening to the tempter and to ourselves rather than to God becoming like unto God knowing good and evil independently of God's command made us outsiders although again Adam and Eve were convinced that they will become insiders that confusion This categorical inversion has been plaguing human nature ever since that day, I must say. Ever since then, we have made much ado of who is in and who is out, whatever community it may be. We see these two words from today's text that clearly connote the idea and reality of being outsiders. The lexical choice by Prophet Isaiah for this purpose were foreigners and eunuchs. I'm sure these are words that we don't use a lot. Maybe you might use foreign or a little more frequently than eunuchs. I actually don't remember the last time I spoke about eunuchs. I guess I did last Sunday because I was telling a few friends over dinner. They were like, oh, I heard that you're preaching next Sunday. So what are you going to talk about? I said, I'm going to talk about Unix." They're like, what? I said, that's right. I, I, and I told them, I wish I didn't have to talk about it, but it is. And it really kind of got me thinking, but that's about the few instances in my recent past that I've used that word. And I bet you, like anything, that you haven't thought about that or talked about that in the recent weeks. So here we are. We'll talk more about the eunuchs and foreigners in the second point, but suffice it to say that when Isaiah uses these words, he's talking at one level about actual foreigners and eunuchs who, for reasons that will be made clear soon, felt that they were clearly out of bounds from favor and mercy from the God of Israel, who desired purity all the way around. So let me illustrate it in two ways. So my family and I lived on Vanderbilt's uh, freshman campus, the Ingram Commons, from 2008 to 2015. I was the first uh, faculty head of uh, Crawford House, and it was so much fun. And I'm sure there are some Vandy alums here or current students as well. And one of the most poignant reminders of the insider-outsider distinction, every year it came in January. It's called bid day. Does that mean anything, bid day for sororities? You don't know what I'm talking about? Okay. How many of you know actually what I'm talking about? Okay, great. So. You know it can be both pleasurable and painful, yes, depending on where you are and I as their faculty head would walk along not walk to the sorority houses but I would you know I and the RAs would like talk to them and try to make sure that they're doing okay because for so many of these young women to get into it become a member a sister of this particular sorority, two letters, three letters and emblazoned across on their sweatshirt or hoodies or t-shirt would mean so much and I'm not downplaying it but it for me that was one of those palpable experiences vicarious one at that no less to see what it means to be an inside Rather than an outsider. I even counseled some of the students who thought, like, maybe I should actually uh, leave Andrew because I didn't make whatever sorority it is. And I soon realized in my second year, not the first year, I was kind of clueless, but, but some of the students actually told me the rankings. There is a ranking of what sorority. And I said, wow, I, I appreciate a lot of the human activities, but at the same time, if by nature they're designed to exclude and include, I don't know if I really like that, especially as a preacher of the gospel. I don't know whether that was something that I appreciated a lot. I was not a member of the fraternity, it does not make me better or for worse, but it is what it is. And so the point is simply this, that when I, every January from 2009 to 2015, I would walk through this life experience with some of the young women in in our house who were really trying to get into these houses and they felt so powerfully and poignantly what it means to be in and what it also means to be out. I like to illustrate this by second example and this will be actually a video clip that we'll watch it's uh, about one minute and 40 seconds long and it's, it's from one of my favorite philosophers and theological mind his name is dr seuss and it's called the Sneetches have you seen this before no i want to encourage you to see this or read it in its entirety you know what where i teach this i teach i watch i watch the whole thing which is about seven minutes long with every year with a group of Ph.D. students in the study of religion class. Because this, I mean, you should watch it or read it. It's, it's, to me, one of the most profound teachings about inclusion and exclusion. How arbitrary those stars are, and I don't want to give away the, you know, the the storyline. You should really watch it, and it'll be, aha, that's what Dr. Seuss was trying to get at. How certain things that are humanly contrived and instituted will become means and modes of exclusion and and inclusion and I want to tell you today in what is it July 2019 that the gospel of Jesus Christ has a lot to say about who is in and who is out in a way that actually supersedes all of these human conceptions of in and out so more on that in just a little bit so in some ways our journey or my life journey is a lifelong struggle to become an insider to be honest that's why I think you work so hard Some of you in middle school or high school You want to go to a certain college Or a certain, get a certain job Or belong to a certain zip code Or belong to a certain group of people Right? I mean, you do, right? And because implicitly We're told and we're taught That by getting that You'll feel better about yourself Your life will be a better one Rather than the other one So you better make sure that you have that star on your belly Because that makes you better than The snitches that do not so often our means to accomplish that very thing end up being precisely counterpurposive to what God might have to say about who is in and who is out. That leads me to the second point. God destroys the insider-outsider distinction. So in the first point, I mentioned that, you know that we are by nature all outsiders because of this thing called total depravity of humanity that there is not one of us who actually seeks God of our own accord that we have all become completely independent from God and we desire nothing less than just our creaturely pleasures that are so easy to satisfy but so quick to disappoint the second point is that God destroys the insider and outsider distinction and in this text we have like I said foreigners and eunuchs as Story examples you may be an outsider by birth or by circumstance according to today's text I'll say that God destroys the insider outsider distinction by God's gracious and merciful act of radical inclusion We hear the word inclusion a lot and everywhere whether in high school classrooms or college websites Whether in corporate America or inside Madison Avenue's conference rooms discussing the way to monetize our mantra of inclusion So often these wonderful concepts of diversity, inclusion, and embrace rather than uniformity, exclusion, and rejection have their roots in the gospel, the story of Exodus for Israel, and the story of Jesus. And yet, when we hear these words, many secular atheist friends of mine think that the ideas of inclusion, identity, and diversity are traceable roots of secular revolution of 1789, aka the French Revolution. And I say that is not entirely correct. Neither is it true as many conservative Christians think that these ideas have nothing to do with Christianity. Because we hear these words about inclusion and identity and diversity from the radical left, many conservatives say, oh, that's not Christianity. But you know what? These ideas of inclusion and identity and diversity are predicated on this crucial and fundamental concept of Christianity. You Know what that is? Transformation through conversion transformation through conversion God will be the one who will reorient our calendar our bank account our mating patterns our drinking patterns our reading habits our musical tastes and best of all and most of all our worldviews. God will graciously include you and me and bestow upon us a new identity and within God there is true diversity We'll get back to this at the end of the sermon So foreigners and eunuchs were emblematic of the two groups of people who felt like ultimate outsiders from the God of Israel and the community defined by the Torah And yet, let's take a listen to these exhilarating words of embrace, inclusion, and transformation of identity Notice those words, transformation of identity Verse 3 Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say The Lord will surely exclude me from his people And let no eunuch complain I am only a dry tree Furthermore to the same eunuch who felt that Due to his physiological deficiency Because of the trauma done to his genitalia who believed thus that he was less than a human being, and thus certainly outside of the bounds of God's blessing, God of Israel says, I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name to you better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. So when you heard today that the sermon title is The Everlasting Name, I bet you that you thought that everlasting name was referring to God. But you know here in this text, the everlasting name is referring to what will be given to the eunuchs Who out of their despair and feeling lost, they seek God out And then God becomes their gracious one who would include them and embrace them Verse 6, it says, And foreigners who will bind themselves to the Lord to minister to the Lord To love the name of the Lord and all who keep his Sabbath without desecrating it These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer So the question becomes this one. What is the criterion of this inclusion for a foreigner and unit? An important question. More than anything else, according to Isaiah, the answer is encapsulated in this one word, Sabbath. Sabbath keeping. What does that mean, Sabbath? We have a very dim concept of what Sabbath is because do you actually take a full day off Like cessation of labor from anything, and just one day, just chill, relax Can you live without your phone for one day? That seems like a terrible idea for somebody No, I cannot, I gotta be with my phone And I am equally guilty of that myself, I realize But i'm digressing here so um what does that mean sabbath more than anything else it means an active recognition of god as a giver of all the days of our life and putting it more bluntly god is the organizer of our life's calendar how about that god organizes our life's calendar so we reorient all our life's activities around god according to alec motier's fabulous commentary on isaiah he says the sabbath keeping around the time of the writing of isaiah's prophecy had fallen on hard times that israelites and non-israelites i mean certainly non-israelites had no business keeping the sabbath many of the israelites were forgetting the significance of shabbat or sabbath and if this is a since this is a text written as a prophecy to israel's exile community where they will be living in a foreign land this will pack a mighty punch motier writes persians babylonians canaanites egyptians and greeks none of these people ever thought of stopping work as the word shabbat literally means stopping work one day in seven so as to give ordinary people a complete day of rest keeping god's shabbat meant moreover that these same common people might be taught to possess a god-centered theology and worldview when i read that it really was convicting to me Am I living a life that is truly God-centered? Or am I using God for my own purposes? Am I really building God's kingdom, or am I building my kingdom? I'm not talking to you or about you, I'm talking to me and about me And yet, I think you can probably relate to that as well Regardless of whether you're born a foreigner to the covenant of grace Or whether your life circumstances have brought you to be a eunuch always uh, always ashamed of your identity as less than sexually whole being thus deprived of the joy delight and privilege of becoming a parent to these people God promises these fantastic blessings these two groups stood for the sum total of those who might feel that they were out of the scope of God's blessing so Isaiah is announcing a universal inclusion of all people no matter their national origin ancestry accident of birth or familial or individual affiliation to gods or goddesses or falling below the creational standards of God or deep and fundamental personal defect such as eunuchs. As Motia puts it so powerfully, the middle walls of partition have come tumbling down between people and between people and the Lord. One of the most esoteric verses in the book of Deuteronomy A book that I think is really really powerful in many ways as is a second giving of the law in chapter 23 verse 1 and again this is a part that is perhaps rated R but it's straight from the Word of God Deuteronomy 23 1 reads no one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord Ooh. let's sit on those words chilling shocking we're asking, what on earth does that mean? Now, with these words of prophecy, so Deuteronomy was written before Isaiah, okay? That's very, very important to remember. And so, in the giving, so in Deuteronomy, it says that if you have crushed testicles and male, you know who they were? Some of them, and certainly eunuchs would be that. Eunuchs would have no part of the kingdom, and here the word of God clearly promises. That those who would actually adhere to my covenant stipulations given in the word of God You are included and most of all you will be remembered To those people who felt a searing sense of shame of exclusion God says I will give them a memorial and a name better than children In other words God promises what you think you will really lack And the very thing that is the cause of your sense of anxiety, depression, desperation And all the negative ideations God says I will wipe away Because for the eunuchs, you know what they're most afraid of? And something that you and I are perhaps afraid of too You know what it is? Being forgotten Who remembers you when you're dead? For most of us, it'll be our children, yes? Perhaps friends too, but our family will remember us Many eunuchs, eunuchs by definition, could not, thus did not have children that means more than anything else when i'm dead i am forgotten and god says i'll give you what an everlasting name i'll give you a name that people will remember people remember you so much so that in july 2019 some dude will be talking about you in nashville tennessee and part of the christian sermonic discourse how about that to these nameless eunuchs who felt that they were dry bones who felt they were forgotten they are nothing and nobodies god says not so You might feel like you're an outsider You might feel like you're excluded But I am including you You watch what I'm about to do And friends, you and I may be right there I don't know about you, but I feel like an insider and outsider Back and forth every day So we take pills, we read and meditate and sit in different ways And different exercises, try to make ourselves feel better they're all entirely warranted endeavors Yet, we need to also remember That God is the one who says, you know what? Come to me, all of you are heavy heavy laden and weary Because I will give you rest Jesus says that, says all of you come to me So there's a universality of his message All of you who are tired and weary And have all of these thoughts come to me Because I'm going to give you what you need I'll give you a chill pill so that you can relax You can rest But at the same time, Jesus says, you need to come to me not to them not to her not to him but come to me because in me you will find what you're desperately looking for and don't even think that you'll find it in me and that's the biggest challenge for me as a person let me be very honest with you i've been i don't know i preach about a thousand messages probably more than that i'm not sure since 1991 i've been doing this thing preaching you know every week or something like that and i realized this that sometimes i wonder like do i really believe what i'm preaching Do I really believe that in Christ there is rest? Do I really believe that by coming to Christ and none others? And by the way, the song we sang right before we preached, Oh, to be loved by Jesus, is one of my favorite songs of all time. The first time I heard it, I don't know how to explain it, but just like began weeping and weeping and weeping. I don't know who sings it. I don't know if they're local or somewhere else, but like that is my favorite song because to be loved by Jesus. And that's something that we need to remember. Jesus really does love you and like you. And that leads me to my third and final point. God, who is the ultimate insider, became the true outsider for us and for our salvation. So, a month ago, uh, I went to uh, Israel with a group of uh, local high school students, including one from uh, Christ Press. And uh, 15 boys and I went to, and a couple other adult chaperones went to Israel. And I'd never been to Israel before, so there was uh, such a a great occasion for me to go. And I was super excited, and it didn't disappoint. And the pinnacle of my experience, uh, okay, a couple of pinnacles, but one of them was going to, obviously, Jerusalem, to the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. And also the other part was to follow through the, the, the traces of Jesus' walking, the seven stations of the cross So going to Jerusalem made me feel most acutely like an insider and an outsider Extremely so and simultaneously so Let me tell you what I mean so going to the streets of Jesus and the disciples and all of that was so powerfully exhilarating. I felt like I could identify, ah, this is where Jesus carried the cross, the heavy wooden beam for me and for us and for our salvation. So I felt like an insider. I could really identify with Jesus. But at the same time, at the same time as I found myself on that, you know, day before Sh- uh, Shabbat, so Friday uh, evening, Everyone was gathered there getting super pumped about the Sabbath. And I'm not a Jew. Uh, and I felt like a complete outsider. I was in Jerusalem feeling like, okay, this I'm going to be the ultimate insider. And yet I felt like a complete outsider, if you know what I mean. And we experienced that back and forth. And so, what God has done in Jesus Christ, God, who is the true insider, if there is an insider, became the ultimate outsider for us and for our salvation sounds crazy but that is the good news of jesus christ listen to the words of verse 8. he who gathers the exiles of israel i will get still gather others to them besides those already gathered here we see the universal scope of the work of salvation for the god of israel this god of israel says i am in fact the god of all nations so throughout the history of israel there's always been this tension israel and the other Israel and the Gentile, Jew and Gentile tension. And one of the wonderful things that God does in Jesus Christ, as Paul writes of it so powerfully, is that there is that dismantling of the wall of hostility and the division that had existed between Jews and Gentiles. We think about divisions in our world today. Whether in Israel between Israelis and Palestinians, whether in our country between the right wing and the left wing and the Republicans and Democrats and different zip codes, different races, different cultures and creeds, we know that our country is divided. We know our world is experiencing greater division and polarization. And we ask this question, what has the gospel of Jesus Christ to do with our present realities? And I submit to you, my friends, everything. In the ministry of this former carpenter from Nazareth, a complete hick town in Israel, he says in John chapter 10 verse 16, I have other sheep too that are not part of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. This is both a fulfillment and foretelling. Fulfillment in that the words of Isaiah, I'll gather others besides those already gathered, is fulfilled in the mission of this Jewish man who had pretensions to be the unique son of Yahweh. It was also foretelling in that the mission of the disciples of Jesus will supersede the Jewish-Gentile distinctions to become a truly global phenomenon. It is this Jesus who came from the bosom of the Father, which means that he was the ultimate insider who ended up getting executed as a condemned criminal by the mighty Roman Empire. We see the cross up here. You know what that is? That is the most powerful symbol of Romans saying, we are in charge. We're going to put those that we don't think deserves to live up there. And guess who went up there? It is your Lord and my Lord. None of us would think that someone who receives state sanction execution today would be a cultural, political, social insider. Quite the opposite and yet that's precisely what jesus embraced for us and for our salvation theologians call the incarnation of jesus christ god becoming human in jesus as a period of humiliation that god would become a human being that god would become someone who was a refugee someone who was born as a baby all of that was a humiliating experience why we ask it is for you and for me and to bring us to god himself Isaiah foretells of the radical inclusion of those people who had been excluded And the means of accomplishing this This was going to sound crazy, counterintuitive, and scandalous Namely, God himself will be excluded through the shameful death of God's one and only Son Yet the prophetic future, it speaks of, will come and has indeed come Let me finish this sermon by reading this passage from another prophetic text I think you might be familiar with it actually so let me read it I have a dream today I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted every hill and mountain shall be made low the rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together this is our hope this is the faith that I go back to the south with let me ask you friends Who wrote these words? Who said these words? Martin Luther King Jr. And which biblical text is he referring to here? Take a wild guess, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40 he's quoting from. And so Dr. King, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. says, This is a faith that I go back to the south With this faith we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair, a stone of hope. With this faith, we'll be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. So Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., in much of our cultural discourse about MLK, many among my secular friends don't often think of Dr. King as Reverend Dr. King, that his ideas about righteousness and justice and all of that came from his Christian commitment as a minister in fact as we have said these words every valley exalted every hill and mountain made low the rough places and crooked ones may plain and straight that is from our book isaiah chapter 40. isaiah that's right then reverend king says further in their speech i have a dream speech let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of new york let freedom ring from the snow-capped rockies of colorado but not only that let freedom ring from stone mountain of georgia let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and molehill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring. When we allow freedom to ring, when we let it ring from every city and every hamlet, from every state and every nation, we'll be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black and white, Jew and Gentile, Protestant and Catholic, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, great great God almighty, we are free at last. Do we desire freedom? Do we desire freedom from this dizzying and never-ending trap of wanting to be insider and feeling like outsiders? Do you know that that is through the crucified and resurrection work of Christ? And only through that you can be free. That is a challenge and a gambit of the gospel. Come to Christ who will give you that rest, who will make you free. As he says, when the Son of Man sets you free, then you shall be free indeed. Now let's prepare our hearts. By bowing our heads with me as we are about to receive the body of Christ broken for us and the blood of Jesus shed for us in the Lord's Supper. Because in this, we are proclaiming and participating in the gospel reality of Jesus Christ. He who was the ultimate insider became the true outsider for us. To bring us to the point of inclusion and paying it forward, he says, I want you to be the agents of transformation and and, and inclusion to make the gospel reality something tangible for this world. Shall we pray? Gracious God, we thank you. Thank you for your wonderful promises that are contained in the book of Isaiah, that you spoke of them so long ago through this wonderful prophet Isaiah. Many of the words meanings were quite cryptic and unveiled, difficult to unveil. And yet we through the ministry of the Holy Spirit AND ON THIS SIDE OF THE COMING OF JESUS CHRIST, CAN CONFIRM IT WITH OUR HEART AND SOUL THAT YOU ARE FOR REAL. WE THANK YOU FOR THE NAMELESS eunuchs AND THE FOREIGNERS WHO FELT THAT THEY WERE OUTSIDE OF GOD'S COVENANT BLESSINGS, BUT THROUGH YOUR WORDS, THEY WERE EMBOLDENED AND ENCOURAGED AND EMPOWERED TO KNOW THAT THEY WERE TRULY MADE WHOLE BY YOUR GRACE. SO THROUGH THIS SACRAMENT OF THE EUCHARIST, MAY YOU MAKE US WHOLE, CREATE WITHIN US THIS DEEP LONGING AND DESIRE, for your kingdom and your presence. In your name we prayed. Amen.